Born ready, kind of. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there, where your two old bloggers been commenting publicly on the Minnesota Vikings, your Minnesota Vikings, for over two decades apiece. And that's not going to stop today either. We've got three themes we're going to get into. First one, Dalvin Cook is gone. I'm curious to see what or hear what Darren thinks of that. Second one, what's the story with Daniil Hunter? Is he staying, getting a, an extension, or is he going? Will there be a trade? Nobody knows who's stirring that pot. And in the third one, we have our drafty spotlight. And today we're looking at defensive back extraordinaire from LSU, Mr. Jay Ward. All this next on Two Old Blockers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave. You're two old bloggers. Hey, everybody. It's Dave Darren here once again. We're ready to get this show started. But first, I want to welcome everybody that's already watching. Raymond, Mary, Davey Change, and Justin. I see you there as well. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show that never ends. And that's your Minnesota Vikings. The content-generating machine of all machines. Hey, Darren, how are things up in the Great White North? Give us an update on the fires. <laughs> uh, still some burning, but we've had some rain this week in my area, which has been uh, welcomed and uh, has lessened the, uh, the, the I guess, the, the, ex- the extremes of things. So uh, we're not out of the woods. Probably going to be a summer of of wondering week to week what's going to happen, but uh, a little bit better. Still some some big fires uh, much further south of me, and uh, those are they didn't get the rain that we've received. So um, I don't know. They're, the one community I was talking about that got evacuated last week, uh, there's was concern earlier in the week that the fire would reach that community and basically torch the whole place. Everybody's gone from there, but uh, it's not great when your community gets uh, burnt to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's that still hasn't happened, but we'll see. Okay. We'll see what uh, what what uh, the week next week or two uh, brings. Okay. Well, it's a little warm down here today. We are presently ninety seven degrees. Feels like one hundred four, mm. which is roughly around forty Celsius for you mm. up there. I'm sure Aaron will hop on here shortly and tell us how hot it is downtown, but if it's a little toasty. This week will be the first week we get into triple digits for this season, and that's not bad. Actually, we're a little bit late on that, so quite happy, mm. quite happy. Well, let's get this going. Not, cra- not cranking up the AC yet. Oh, no, mine has been cranked up for a couple months now. <laughs> um <laughs> We titled this one, Dalvin Cook is Gone and Daniil Hunter's Uncertain Vikings Future. Let's get started with theme one. Gone. Yep, a bit of old news, maybe. Uh, Aaron's just watching baseball. Yeah, The Rangers... The Rangers, who are surprisingly really good this year, uh, 
perhaps, or Houston, who are or expected or are good and were expected to be good. Anyway, uh, we're talking distance foot- between both. Ah, yes. The great state of Texas. Actually, I was just watching a documentary on Nolan Ryan a couple of weeks ago. It was a classic. Uh, <laughs> still, yeah. The uh, Air Robin Ventura dust up featured prominently in that one. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. Oh, Tunsis, yeah. Uh, anyway, Dalvin Cook. Uh, we speculated about it all off season. We wondered. We talked about potential trade, like why the Vikings were hanging on to them for as long as they were. Finally, on Friday, it became official that Dalvin Cook is no longer a Viking. A bit of a disappointment in how it happened, Dave, at least for me, because I was hoping that the Vikings would at least get some kind of value, some asset in a trade for Dalvin Cook. But as we've talked about before, the Vikings' bargaining position on this one was not very strong because of Dalvin Cook's age, his contract, his injury history, and the fact that the NFL keeps on viewing, increasingly is viewing running backs as replaceable parts that you can just switch in and out and it's not going to change much what the performance is, is of your of your running game. So um, not surprising that the Vikings were not able to work out a trade, especially when the whole league knew that that. They probably were going to have to release him anyway, uh, based on his again, based on his contract, and uh, and so he's gone. Uh, but even though I think a lot of us feel that Dalvin Cook's performance last year did not match the contract that he was earning, there's there's no denying though, Dave, that he's going to be tough to replace. And you were you showed online to me earlier in the week, like his his cumulative stats as a Viking during his six seasons. And, and they're pretty impressive. You've got them up there now, like, and this is over six seasons, but really it's five seasons and maybe not even that because his rookie year, he only played four games, had a knee injury against Detroit and he didn't play the rest of the year. Uh, So basically his rookie year, he, the Vikings got very little production from him, not through no fault of Dalvin cook, just the injury. So really you're looking at basically a five season and look at that third in rushing yards, franchise history overall, second in yards per game, fourth in rushing TDs and a four time pro bowl running back. Uh, So Dalvin cook, there's no doubt about it. Outstanding, outstanding running back, outstanding, outstanding player. Um, Really fun to watch. Uh, added a lot of juice to the Vikings attack and really in in 2020 in 2019 and 2020 those are really like the prime Dalvin Cook years for me he really he was the focal point of the offense and he carried the offense I think in those years but um, it's going to be a different look now Dave with Dalvin Cook not on this on this team and it's and we're really entering I think a different era at least for now with the Vikings running backs because um you know, since 2006, when the Vikings signed Chester Taylor, since that time, except for 2017, basically, and 2014, I think when, or was it 2015, I think, 2014, when when Adrian Peterson, basically, he, he got suspended and he didn't play. Right. But the Vikings have been like, they've had one bell cow running back, Chester Taylor for 2006, then Adrian Peterson took over from Chester Taylor in 2007, and then it was Dalvin Cook after that. And we don't have the, that guy anymore with Dalvin Cook gone, which means I think you're going to look at a 
a running attack that's going to look a lot more like what we saw in 2004 or 2005, if folks remember that time when you had Moeldy Moore, Ontario Smith, Michael Bennett. Those were the guys that like divvied up and 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 split the amount of carries that the Vikings didn't have a bell cow back then. These guys all kind of equally took the same amount of carries. And the Vikings running attack actually in those two years and their offense were still an effective offense. And Do you know what they ranked back then? Well, I think 2004, they were in the top 10, I think, even, as, as an offense. I heard overall. on the radio it was second and third over those two years. Now, that mm-hmm. included Dante Culpepper running, because Culpepper yes. did a lot of running back then. But that that's an effective run game, even if it is by committee and there's no bell cow. And that's prior to people wanting a committee approach. I mean, everybody wanted their bell cow. Yeah, so that's right. It proves that it can work. And I was thinking, well, what's the next question? Why were they so good? Oh, well, it was the offensive line, Dave. Of course it was. Well, it's under Mike Tice. <laughs> And yes, he had some decent offensive line. Khalil, Matt Khalil was one of the tackles. I think he had his rookie season back then. But And we had David Dixon over on the right guard spot, who's an absolute beast. But it wasn't the greatest offensive line we had. But it's just it just goes to prove it's how you plan, how you scheme, and how you utilize these guys. They can be very, very productive in a running back by committee approach. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad you brought up like the fact that their rankings in 2004, 2005, Dave, because it, at least in 2004, the Vikings had – they didn't have a whole year of Randy Moss, but they had a half a year. Remember, that year he got hurt quite a bit, and he had – I can't remember. I think it was a, a hamstring or something, and he played like half the season. But, uh, but still, um, the Vikings now, with this running back committee, they have Justin Jefferson, right? like one of the, the top three wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, and, uh, and so um, what, I think what we're looking at now is, is that last year, even with Dalvin Cook, and partly because the running game was not very effective at uh, a lot of times, a lot of negative runs, which we've talked about before, but, but the, the Vikings became a pass-first offense, whereas with Mike Zimmer, it was always – I want to run the ball, and passing is is something we do after we run the ball. Yeah, well, run to set up the pass versus pass to set up the run, or in vice this case, versa, however you did it. Yeah, in this case, you know, Kevin O'Connell quickly realized that we have to pass the ball because that's our most efficient way of moving the ball because the running game isn't getting it done a lot of times. Uh, I think Kevin O'Connell would like to run the ball more, but he wasn't able to as effectively as he would like. And and they became a pass first offense last year, and I think that with Cook gone, that's still that's going to still remain the way they're going to try to run it in twenty twenty three, and see how that goes with the running back committee. But but I think that that uh, like however it works out, however it shakes out, like a Madison, you know, you've got. I, I think that the, the Vikings, you've got. I expect you know we I think we expected in twenty twenty three you've got a full year of T J Hawkinson now. You've got you just drafted Jordan Addison, who was definitely one of the best wide receivers in the draft coming out of it, and a Fred Belitnikoff winner in twenty, you know, the previous year in twenty twenty two years ago. You got Justin Jefferson, the best wide receiver in the NFL. You got Kirk Cousins, who's going to be going into a a year two in the Kevin O'Connell offense. Uh, So I think you know we feel that the the Vikings offense is going to take 
should be uh, take another step forward compared to what they did in 2022. And so with all of the, the weapons they have on the passing side of things, uh, I feel that a Madison and Alexander Madison and a say a Ty Chandler, Alexander Madison, one, two running back by committee or a Alexander Madison and a Dwayne McBride, one, two committee, or maybe even a Madison, Kenny Wong, one, two committee. I think that that can be effective with the weapons that we have in the passing game. Now there's a few things that still need to happen is that, for that, for the right Vikings offensive or the running game to be as as effective as it needs to be without Dalvin Cook, the offensive line has got to do their job and open up holes for any running back who's behind center. Uh, and I don't think that they did that uh, very well last year. And that's one of the reasons that we had a lot of negative negative runs with Dal. Even when you got Dalvin Cook, who's an amazing running back, even at what you know even if he's not in his prime right now the vikings added this guy here josh oliver who's an excellent excellent blocking tight end he should be able to help that that running back by committee tandem and then uh, you know the, the other thing is that um even though alexander madison yeah if he's your number one guy dave mm-hmm. uh, yeah for sure the home run threat isn't there anymore like it was with dalvin cook we know that because Madison's longest run as a pro is 27 yards. Yeah. I was about to say it's 20 something uh, yards. So, yeah. And he ran a four six or whatever, 40 at the combine made, and it wasn't even a high four six, but he's, he's got a, a good enough track record over four years, solid enough that you can be, I think fairly confident that the run, that he can, he can be solid that he's going to be effective if he's your number one guy. And sort of a Leroy Horde type where he's guaranteed to get you at least three yards on a carry versus what we have with Dalvin where we had the minus yards and the zero yards and the one or twos and then before he got 16. Yes, and that is, I think that's okay. And then on the other side, say Ty Chandler gets the number two job and, and mm-hmm. we've been hearing some good things about him. Well, he's kind of the lightning to your thunder with Madison because he ran a sub four, four in some of his 40 times, like he can F and run, <laughs> you know? So, or even Kenny Wong, as well, like Bob agrees big with time. Bob Chandler's time. the home run threat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got that nice mix there. You know, with Mc, if it was McBride and Madison, it's a little bit different because McBride is not that home run hitter. He's more of the Madison kind of guy, maybe a little bit faster, but and maybe not quite as big, but he's more of a power runner. Anyway, uh, I think that that kind of tandem is something that it can be effective. It doesn't mean without Dalvin Cook that the Vikings offense is not going to be uh, take a, a leap forward in 2023 and be that top 10 maybe even top five mm-hmm. unit that we want them to be and maybe it's going to have to be depending on how the defense uh, plays this year but but i think that it, you know it's 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 going to be different for for us and even as great as dalvin cook was we have to remember that yeah, Jonathan's got a good point about continuity on the old line. That's going to help too. But as great as Dalvin Cook was, let's remember that the Vikings in his six seasons, they made the playoff three times in his six seasons. And in his rookie year, he didn't really have a whole lot to do with that. 
right? Mm-hmm. The Vikings never made it to a Super Bowl. They never won a Super Bowl in Dalvin Cook's time as the Vikings. That's not his fault. That's not all his fault. It's it's like an organizational failure there. Uh, and and but but still, um, you know, Dalvin Cook was not the difference maker for the Vikings in getting them to where we want them to go, which is the Super Bowl and to win the Super Bowl. And so losing him, even though it's tough for Viking fans and I love Dalvin cook and I love watching him and I'm going to hate watching him play for another team, especially if his shoulder is really good and he's fresh and he's rejuvenated and he, and he has a great year. But I, you know, this was a move that I think it was, we expected it to happen. It happened. And now we got to move on. And I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be if anybody feels that it's going to result in the Vikings having a, like a way worse offense than they've had the last year that right. I don't see that happening at all. Uh, it's either. going to be different. It's going to be different. And the running game, the running game might actually be end up being more effective than it was last year or the previous year with Dalvin cook. And Again, especially like Jonathan more efficient. Said, yeah. More efficient. If, if we're getting more three or four yard runs instead of minus one, zero and then like you said a 16 10 plays later well you know like football outsiders go you know that makes you a better offense that makes you more consistent efficient offense and should lead to better production along the way yeah if you're second and six you have a lot more things available to you in your playbook than if you're second and 10 or second and nine and then if you get you know third and long the you you're passing. The defense knows that, right? So if you're third and two or third and three, the whole playbook's open. You can do what you want. And that's where Kevin O'Connell can, you know, do his wizard magic and boob, and hopefully we get lots of scores. That works. So with Dalvin, we didn't have that last year, and that's a shame because we all loved Dalvin Cook. I think we thought he was a great guy. He did post today, or he didn't post, I think his – his agents did. His people. His people. That he's looking for. He will not accept a contract for less than six million. I think it was six million. Is it four to five or six million dollars when he signs? And it's like everybody's responding, well, he's may not play then. We'll find out. But it's it's sad to see him go, but it was a necessary choice. It's everybody's slamming Quasi because he got rid of a bunch of overpriced veterans that had started to see a decline in their play. Well, we all knew they were going to have to go sometime, and there were visible signs of decline. Even with Dalvin, there was. Yes, his total yardage last year was right up there as normal, but his production and play his efficiency was way down, and it shouldn't have been. And that's okay, because we knew we are going to have to move on from these older guys. So this is just part of that, and it freed up money. One thing you didn't talk about is it freed up $9 million, and it may free up two more, because if he signs with somebody else and it's over $2 million, that injury guarantee goes to them. And so the Vikings will be off the hook for that. So I'm hoping he signs with somebody. Yes, Dave. I, I didn't get to talk about the, the the money it freed up. And I think right now the Vikings are just, you know, they're, a, they're like at million. Seven, 18 million 
uh, under the cap right now. And remember how everybody was all saying, oh, you know, the Vikings are hugely over the cap. Well, that's all straightened out now. <laughs> like, wow. We, we, they still need to work on it. There's a there's Justin oh, will sure. be able to tell us. There's like $40 million in dead cap next year. And, yeah, well, and, you worry about that next year. Like, yeah, but you want every, to get every, out from all this dead cap so you have more money to spend rather than paying guys not to play anymore. That's... Yeah, that's no, and uh, part of it. That's but yes, true, under the think, this current year's cap, we're under again, and that will hopefully I, provide opportunities for extensions, right? And which will potentially, but uh, yeah, have extensions. I think that the other thing is that that with uh, maybe one of the reasons people are slamming Quasi, other than like the irrational Dalvin Cook is gone and the and the you know the world is ending, is that maybe they're wondering like, well, how come you didn't trade this guy in March? Well, <laughs> you know, and- when the iron was hot and got something for him before the draft to help you in twenty twenty three. And I think, you know, that's somewhat of a fair comparison, but we don't know what the market was for Dalvin Cook. Well, and there was also the issue he wouldn't have passed his physical in March. Mm, yeah, I, I true, but you know, there's anyway. There's uh, I think that's where the the satisfaction partly would come from is that you released him. Sure, you saved cap, but here's one of the best running backs in the NFL, and you couldn't trade him and get something back for I, him, I, even I, a seventh seventh rounder. That bugs like, people, even with these old time guys that were let go. That Quasi hasn't gotten anything for him per se. Doctor Proto, I am sipping on. Very old Barton bourbon mixed with Dr. Pepper Cherry Zero. But when you're trying to trade an aging wide receiver who's mm-hmm. high priced and an aging, even though 28 doesn't seem very old to me and you, Dave, but it's old in football years, that an aging running back with a with an injury history and a big contract. Your, again, your bargaining position for those two guys, the way they're viewed today, is not very good. Mm-hmm. That especially us- when teams, especially when teams know that you're probably going to release them if they don't, right? If you, you know, one way or the other, they'll sit there and wait. Yeah. That brings us to theme two. Not that we're shy. Any controversy whatsoever? Trade? Question mark. Yeah, well, uh, we just talked about one guy who is officially an ex-Viking, and this week, Ian Rappaport uh, put out something saying that uh, their teams are have been have inquired about Daniil Hunter, and the interest is real. Um, So, as Ron Burgundy once said, an anchor man, that's kind of a big deal, baby. (laughs) <laughs> if Daniel Hunter, who's been the best Vikings pass rusher for since uh, for quite a few years, if you're considering trading him or you do trade him, uh, you know that's a big deal for the Vikings, and um, it, it, you know it's it's big news <laughs> to be 28 again. But but I was I was hoping that you know the Vikings had already traded Zadarius Smith a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. Uh, he wasn't happy with his contract, so they traded him. And at the time, I was kind of hoping, okay, you got rid of him and and his salary. And so I thought that potentially might 
give you the the flexibility, some of the salary cap space where you can now gives you the runway to work on Daniil Hunter and getting him an extension that keeps him happy at least for a couple of more seasons. Well, this week when this news came out, Dave, Tyler Fornis and you, you had a, a real Forno show. I think it was on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And, and Tyler felt that the Vikings had had slipped this information, leaked this to Rappaport because they, you know, they don't think that the, the, the contract talks are going very well. And so they want to get this out there, let the whole NFL know that Daniil Hunter, that teams are calling on us and we're not telling them to get lost. Right. So, and that, you know, the Vikings are basically looking at, they want to drum up interest in Hunter throughout the league. The more teams know that Hunter is available, they might get a better return for, for Hunter if they feel that there's very little hope that they'll get him signed to an extension, an extension that the Vikings can live with, basically. That Quasi Adolfo right. feels that helps them now and that they can live with beyond 2023. And we'll get into numbers um, towards the end of this. But yes. Yes. Now you also mentioned that that uh, Do- Doogie Wolfson, Scoops Wolfson, mm-hmm. has said that he didn't think the Vikings actually released this. That it was Hunter's side that released this. Uh, again, you know, it, it's sort of the or same idea. An opposing team that wants Hunter. Right. Yeah. We we know through the the the, the Shefty controversy with. Uh, Alan, Bruce Allen, and and the you know how he's like saying, "Hey, uh, I'm going to write this. <laughs> Do you like it? But can you give me information?" Like we know that there's this trading going on mm-hmm. between NFL insiders and NFL organizations where they kind of have a cozy relationship and they'll trade information and say, "Hey, can you?" They'll ask a guy like Rappaport, "Hey, uh, can you slip this? Make it public? Uh, you know, something's brewing here, but there's agendas on both sides." Um, so, like, right now, it's all rumors, Dave, but like our old friend Stefan Diggs, you like to talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. There's always truth in rumors. Yes, there is. <laughs> and uh, I don't, like, I don't, I don't like seeing Daniel Hunter going if that were to happen. I, I don't like the idea of trading him while he's still in his prime. Um, that's not what I want to see. But when a guy doesn't want to be there, Dave, and doesn't want to be there for a contract that Quasi Dofamensa can live with, then you got to move him and you got to try to get as much as you can for him. Um, the issue is that, so I, you know, I get it, but you know, that's a fact, but still, if it, if it were to happen, if, 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 and it's still an if, but if it were to happen, my question is where is the pass rush coming from in 2023 for the Minnesota Vikings? Like, you just traded away Zedaria Smith, who had 10 sacks last year. And if you get rid of Daniil Hunter, who had 10, well, and, 10 a half, and a half. You got rid of Tomlinson, who had six or six and a half. No, no, no. Tomlinson didn't have that many. Uh, he only I don't think he had two. But I thought he did. No. But still, just – Zedaria Smith and Daniil Hunter themselves would be 20 and a half sacks. If you got rid of both, that'd be gone. And the Vikings had 38 sacks last year as a team. Mm-hmm. So that's 18 left over. 
<laughs> and as you say, and, and I didn't even think of Tomlinson, so I think that's another sack and a half gone. And it well. may be pressures I'm thinking of, but you got rid of your yeah. three biggest pressure guys. I like that, Norsefius. Trumers. Yeah. So, you know, that's a lot of production to, to like mm-hmm. have to replace. And where are you going to get it from? Well, Marcus Davenport, a signing that I really liked, that puts, if Hunter were to be traded, that puts an enormous amount of pressure on, I think, Marcus Davenport to be the number one guy when he's never been the number one guy in his career. Mm-hmm. And can he produce, can he produce at a level that, we're used to seeing even when he's been at his best, when defenses are keying on him as your top edge rusher. Because top edge rushers tend to get double teamed. And in New Orleans, he always had Cam Jordan mm-hmm. by his side. There ain't going to be no Cam Jordan by his side if Daniil Hunter's gone and you've already traded away Zadarius Smith. So that, you know, that's an issue. I think you might worry less about it if the Vikings had somebody beyond Davenport who could step in if you traded away Hunter, but the Vikings don't have that either because DJ Wanham, who's like the top edge rusher backup, you know, I I like DJ. He hustles, he plays hard, but he does not defeat blocks one-on-one on a consistent basis. He doesn't, a lot of his sacks are fall, fall into it sacks, sacks that he just, he does by running into it because somebody else created the pressure and he happens to be in the right spot at the right time. So that's an issue. Patrick Jones III, yeah, he showed a few flashes in certain games last year where he did some good things, the Miami game being one of them. He got two of his three sacks on the year in that game, but he didn't do it nearly enough, consistently enough for me to be confident that if he's the guy who's going to be your starter if you trade Hunter, that the Viking, that he's going to be a consistent, uh, ferocious pass rushing presence as an edge rusher. And then... Beyond that, like it's it's a huge wild card. Like people really liked, and I liked the Andre Carter undrafted rookie free agent signing. But please don't bring him into the mix as a guy who potentially could be like an answer to this, because everything I've read about him is that he needs a ton of coaching, a ton of work to even step on an NFL field in the next two or three years. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy, and there's nobody beyond him as an edge rusher that you know really would excite you or think that they could come even close to replacing Daniil Hunter. Um, So, you know, there's a big concern. I mean, this is really going to have to, Amato, and I'm going to get into this, is this is really going to come down to Brian Flores. Brian Flores, if Daniil Hunter were traded, Brian Flores is going to really earn his money as a defensive coordinator because he's going to have to manufacture pressure without having a Zadarius Smith or a Daniil Hunter to use and employ. He's not going to be able to depend on Daniil Hunter just beating a guy one-on-one because he's freakishly athletic and is one of the best pass wrestlers in the NFL. You know, that's not going to happen. Daniil Hunter won't be there anymore. But he's going to have to, like, scheme things, disguise things, send guys when teams aren't expecting it. Linebackers, cornerbacks, you know. Yeah, yeah. Harrison Smith, like Aaron suggested. Right. And so – I, I think that's a risky way to live if you're somebody like me and Dave and you've been used to seeing the Evers and Griffins or the Daniil Hunters creating pressure all on their own or sometimes a lot of times on their right. own. Right. If you get but, a front four, a four-man rush to get pressure, that relieves so much pressure off the backside because they can cover better. You've, you've got the one-man advantage. 
Yes. If you can, I think you have the, to sacrifice some of those, and then you can. There's that one thing. If you go against the wrong quarterback and he spots that, boom, you're beat. Yeah, I think that the the, the only thing that, and again, Daniel Hunter has not been traded yet. Of course, it's a rumor. Uh, that things might all work them work themselves out, but the old whether smoke there's fire always has me worried. Uh, I think that if Hunter were to go, what does give me some. Uh, I think I'd be somewhat encouraged is that if you look at Brian Flores, when he was the head coach in Miami, 2019 to 2021, uh, 2019, they had a horrible, horrible pass rush. The dolphins did. Um, but in 2020 and 2021, the, the dolphins had over 40 sacks as a defense, both of those years, which is more than the Vikings had in, in last year. And, uh, they got, I think Amato was talking about it. They got their pass rush, their sacks from a variety of players. It was safeties. It was linebackers. It was edge rushers. They didn't have a top line guy who was, or two top line guys who were getting a lot of the sacks. Uh, like Emmanuel Ogbo was their top pass rusher. He never had more than nine and a half sacks in those two years. And they had other guys who were like no names. You never would even have heard of. Uh, but cumulatively, they got a lot of sacks. They generated a lot of pressure. So if Daniil Hunter is gone, uh, at least Brian Flores has shown in Miami that he can put together a defense that can do that, even without the star power of a Daniil Hunter or Zadaria Smith. And so if Hunter gets traded, you know, you didn't do it in April and March when you could have got extra draft capital more. and mm-hmm. – and been able to use that to maybe draft a successor this draft, somebody who can help you this year, what you're going to get in a trade for Hunter now is only going to help you next draft in 2024. But Forres has shown that he can, he can generate pressure. He can sack quarterbacks uh, without like studs on his defense because he did it in Miami. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a little bit of hope there. If we do trade Hunter, hopefully they get things worked out. Like Aaron says, pay the man, but it's got to be, it's got to be somewhat reasonable, right? Like we've got other people we have to have well, let's to sign. Talk maybe that. not this year. Yeah, let's talk about that. All right, here's his present contract. Right, you've got in 2023, he is going to make roughly with the bonuses, workout bonus and game roster bonus five and a half million, up to five and a half million. He's scared, or he will paycheck wise four point nine. We've got a whole bunch of dead money on him as well because he's got two years of void contract. And boy, I know we all love void void year contracts. Well, it's there. That came from a five-year, $72 million contract he signed back in 2018. He will have made all of it if he gets paid that 5.5 this year. Right? And $72 million over five years isn't bad. That's roughly what? $17 million per? Something like that? Right around that figure. Not bad. Not bad at all. But Dave, but Dave, but Dave, but Dave, he's a <laughs> top 10 defensive end, if not better. Well, what do they make? Well, here it is. Here are what the top 10, actually there's 11 on there because two of them are identical, Defensive ends in the league, average per year, which is about, if you look in the middle of that screen, slightly to the right column, the biggest one is T.J. Watt. He makes over $28 million per year. Then comes Joey Bosa at 27. Is Daniil as good as those two? No. 
Ah, right? So we don't agree. He's one or two. Miles Garrett at 25. Khalil Mack at 23 and a half. Marks Crosby, 23 and a half. Uh, then he gets Chubb. I got Von Miller there at, I think it's seventh at 20 million. And then you got your 17.5 and 17 for the rest. So he was making as present in that right around top 10 money average per year. Well, people say, well, he's not making enough. He should make more. Okay. Well, how much more, right? If you take, I like using round numbers, but I'll go first into a couple other ones. Brad Spielberger from PFF joined ESPN, and they talked about, I think it was ESPN, and they talked about what a Hunter extension would look like. And he came up to three years, $67.5 million, roughly 22 AAV average per year with a 37.125 guarantee. All right, well, that's good about a bunch of money. He gets, obviously, signing bonus this year, which means he brings home more this year, and it's a little, and he'll bring home less than $20 million in the three years following, cash-wise, but he gets that total. Tyler, buddy Tyler Fornis, who should be here watching and he's not, um, Tyler suggested is even a little bit less than that, but roughly the same parameters. And I think if you go for a three-year contract, what I would think, if I was him and I was his agent, was, well, you need to pay me minimum $20 million per year on average. And you go, well, all right, three years, that's $60 million. That's right around where they've got Spielberger has them at 67.5. But he goes, since I'm only earning 5.5 this year, you got to up that up. So add another 15 to that to make it 20 years per average for four years. That's a $75 million contract. Now, easy numbers for me. I like nice round numbers. They're easy to figure out in the head. That would be fine. You give him a big bonus this year to pay off to get to that you know, that 20-ish range, but you're giving him more, if you divide that 75 by 3, it's $25 million per year, technically, on average. And does he rate 25? No. Now, but they can argue, yeah, but you know inflation is going up, pay is going up. By the time we hit the end of this, we should be still in that top 10. Well, he's still in that top 10 now with the $72 million contract. It's yes, that was lower than what it should have been. That's his fault and his representation's fault that they they signed that. They got, Rob Brzezinski did a great job, and that is what it is. Do we extend him? If we extend him, we need to raise his money this year, so he's happy. It was reported that the Vikings offered him a, quote, Band-Aid fix to get him through this year, and not an extension. At this point in time. And I guess that's what pissed him off. And all the, oh no, they're going to trade him. All this started firing out from the woodwork. Whether it came from other teams. Whether it came from his agent. Whether it came from the Vikings. Or whatever, trying to generate up stuff. And it was at that point, I guess he felt disrespected or something. And he should go. I'm sorry folks, $72 million, $72.5 million, whatever it was, is a lot of money. He and he's missed two seasons because of it, you know, with it as well. He needs to play. Do we sign him? I want him on the team. I think he'll be fine. One of the key things on those top defensive ends that I want to show you is uh, if you look at their ages, 
here. TJ Watts, 29. Joey Bosa, 28. Miles Garrett, 28. Khalil Mack, tw- uh, 32. And then you get down to 26, 27, 34, 34, 27. It's still showing you that edge rushers can play into their young 30s and still be at their prime getting pressures and stuff. And I believe that is the case with Daniil. So I I want I want the Vikings to do a contract that makes it fair and that also covers you know the money in the next few years when big extensions start to hit JJ's, Derisaw's, TJ's, uh whoever else we want to, you know, re-up, whether it be uh our quarterback <laughs> it's you know we've got to have money to Dave, Dave reluctantly says yes Kirk Cousins and and that may happen it may happen out of necessity until we find that next quarterback unless we start doing the old Denny Green deal where we take retiree off the heap and hope they have great years it's it's going to be hard to figure out and do it well and keep everybody happy now the only good thing about this so far, all this blowing of hot air is by us, it's by the agents, it's by other teams, it's by the press, but we haven't heard a single word from Daniil himself. Daniil well, you never is, do. Daniil is very quiet about it. There's no cryptic tweets or Instagrams. We got that from Cook, right? We obviously got it from, you know, there's truth to all rumors with Dixie. So I'd say let's wait and see how this plays out. This week, Tuesday and Wednesday, is mandatory minicamp. Mm-hmm. That means they're supposed to show or they get fined. Now, what a lot of players do if they're disgruntled is they'll show and they'll grab their book and sit in one of those nice recliners from the locker room and they'll chill out and not see the field the whole time they're there. But they can say, I'm here. You can't find me. But if he doesn't even show up, that's going to be a big talking point. Yes, and, it will. And it's – I I don't know what's going to happen. I would – if I was him, I'd show up. And if I'm still disgruntled, I'd, like I said, grab a book. For me, grab a sketch pad maybe. You know, and something that I can relax with and enjoy the day. Get my you know sunscreen out, maybe go up on the owner's deck and – Watch practice. Yes, the you know let's. There's a lot of great comments that have been going on here. Like Jonathan was talking about how if, if Hunter is traded, he's really even more concerned about the cornerback unit. Which I agree because you know getting pressure on the quarterback is so so important to uh, to helping well, the back uh, end. Mm-hmm. The back end, and we got lots of question marks, lots of young green guys back there who don't have a lot of experience at the NFL level. And and if they don't have somebody putting heat on the quarterback, you know, I think I'm worried they're going to get torched in 2023, no matter what Flores is throwing at you. But, uh, you know, say Hunter were to go, I think if you're looking at at this point, obviously, yeah, if you're looking at the free agent market, you're getting like the scraps. Well, there ain't a whole there ain't a whole lot out there. Like the Vikings, the Vikings. You think if they didn't if they got rid of Hunter, they'd be looking for maybe a veteran, a veteran 
a guy that they can sign for a one-year cheap one-year deal who they could give you some pass rush presence well Frank Clark just got signed this week uh Leonard Floyd another guy who might be a possibility and who had played with when Kevin O'Connell was with LA he got signed recently like uh, you need Ngakwe is still available <laughs> the ex-Viking but there ain't a whole lot after him like uh uh, is Justin Houston the guy you want at 34 years old? Keeps on hanging on. He's still around. Like there's not a whole lot of veteran edge rushers out there right now who would make any bit of bit, bit of difference if you sign them. So you know, mm-hmm. hey, uh, I'd I'd like to see this get worked out with Daniel Hunter because, like you said, if you can make him happy, you could get a productive, really elite talent for another two three years, and he's a Viking. And that that's that would be my approach because he plays a premier position, one of the most important premier positions, right? We always talk about the most important position in football is quarterback, and then comes the guys that score touchdowns, generally your wide receivers, and the guys that stop people from scoring touchdowns. And defensive end is one of our elite pass rusher. It doesn't necessarily have, it's generally defensive ends. It could be an interior defensive tackle. There are those rare occasions that they are. But those guys come in second, and then corners are usually third for your biggest money contracts because they are the most important and affect the game the most. You need to have him. I hope the Vikings and he figure it out. I hope all this was just bluster, and we're going to hear tomorrow Monday that, hey, Hunter came into town to get ready for, you know, mandatory minicamp. And by the way, we're announcing he signed his extension for blah, 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 blah. And we'll all be going, yes, we can breathe again. Yay. Yes. You know. Tim mentioned below that Clowney is still available, which is which I was trying to think of another guy besides mm-hmm. uh, Justin Justin Houston who uh, who was available, and Clowney is still available. Yes, of course. The thing with Clowney is that he has never come close to living up to his number one mm-hmm. overall uh, billing, and uh, but you know he still can be an effective player. Even again, I talked a lot about sacks, but uh, you know pressures are also just as important as sacks and Clowney at times has generated a lot of pressures but not always gotten home on the quarterback so uh, but yeah Clowney's a guy that might be in the mix um, you know mm-hmm. like like Justin Houston might be or or you know somebody else but uh, but yeah I think you want Hunter if it can happen at all right Timothy and, says uh, Hunter's deal will probably be short-term because he likes it that way. I consider a three-year contract a relatively short contract. Um, but, yes, I can understand that thinking. I Yeah, would he like it for one year and then go year to year? I'm sure he would, but that's not going to happen. He's got to lock it up. It's just like big players. He's He wants a long-term contract for JJ, I'm sure, but JJ is the one that's going to say, no, give me three years so I can hit the money market again. Which makes sense. Now, there are some trade rumors of who we might trade to get, and blah, blah. They're all rumors. Take more of the grain of and you're And you're not getting back a, an edge rusher for Hunter, I don't think. It's going to be draft picks, which won't help you this year. It's going to help you in 2024 if you hit on them. Yep. So, and you know, Daniil's 
a known quantity that can play in this in this league very, very well. Well, that brings us to our third and final theme of the day. Our drafty highlight of Mr. Jay Ward. Yes, he is the uh, fourth Vikings drafty we'll be uh, taking a look at here on the show. Uh, I see Mateo is with us today, and I was wondering if he'd be here because he is a big LSU Tiger fan, so I'm sure he'll have lots of comments about Jay Ward below that will be much more informative than what i'm going to bring up <laughs> or uh but anyway we're gonna we're gonna i'm gonna take a a look at a brief look at jay ward uh the vikings who the vikings picked with the 134th pick second last pick in the fourth round uh and what i read about jay ward coming into the draft was that he was going to be picked somewhere in the fourth and fifth round range and the vikings uh, got him late fourth so so he, he got picked around where he was expected to be picked by the Vikings. Uh, real interesting cat, Jay Ward, because of his versatility. He's the only FBS player last season who had at least 150 snaps at safety, uh, outside corner, and the slot. So he's a guy, a jack of all trades, got asked to do. He's done it all, did it all at the LSU secondary, out, outside corner, uh, slot safety played him in the box played him deep as a safety mm-hmm. he, he's done a lot i think the question is that well yeah you played a lot but can you do any of those things really well, well. at the nfl <laughs> level and, and that's why a guy like ward gets picked in the fourth late in the fourth round because there's question marks about him um he's got some good things about him but there's question marks about him if there weren't so many question marks he would have been a first second round pick um you know uh, we talked about it before, Dave, and we'll say it again right here now, but Brian Flores, introductory presser with the Vikings, talked about how the, the players that he likes on his defense, he talked about they got to be multiple. they got to be able to do multiple things. Well, what we've seen with the defensive players that the Vikings picked, predicting the secondary, is that they do multiple things. Makai Blackman, who we're going to talk about next week, he can do a lot of stuff. Uh, and Jay Ward... Obviously, he's got experience at corner, in the slot, safety. So he did it all at LSU, and that is going to be appealing to Brian Flores because Mateo said Brian he's a linebacker. So, well, yeah, uh, well, yeah, certainly a quasi linebacker for sure. Like big for, nickel coming the, in. Yeah, the big nickel. Like Brian Flores, I think that eventually, if he's around as long as Ward is with the team. Brian Flores is going to have some fun with Jay Ward because depending on who we play and who's on the field when we play them, he can have Ward do different things. He can have him be in the slot. Maybe he puts him on an out in even in the corner slot at some point, the corner position at some point in time, or he's got him as a safety. Again, depending on who we play and who's on the field, just a chess piece that Brian Flores can use in a lot of ways and who has confidence that, hey, if I give Jay Ward this role, He's done it before in the SEC, and I think that he can do it here in the NFL. Um, and he played a ton at, at, at LSU as well. Five years, didn't play much his first year, got the extra covert year. But, uh, like, again, a ton of tape on this guy, a ton of reps, and he played in the SEC with the big boys, who a lot of those guys are playing in the NFL now, That and, and he's played in championship games, big games at LSU, you know, he's seen it all at the college level. I like that. Um, you know, some of the pros with, with Jay Ward, I think, is that 
you like his size. He's 6'1", and he's got long, long arms. You look at that photo there. If you watch the the LSU highlights and I watched the Texas A&M game and then the, the Auburn game in 2021, after a play, if you watch Ward standing around, his arms are almost down to his knees. <laughs> like He's got long, long arms, which help him in coverage because uh, he's got the size, he's got the long arms. He can contest like against the big receivers, he can contest balls and he can knock them out. He's got the length to combat on, you know, in the red zone uh-huh. and in coverage. So that's something that people are going to be like, uh, like, I think the most impressive thing I saw in the games that I watched in the highlights I watched about Ward is that man, this guy, once he, he's very aggressive and decisive right. in run in, in when a run plays and in screen plays, once he knows where a play is going, he is like he is shot out of a cannon and he is going sideline to sideline after the ball carrier to take him down. Uh, I love that in him and I love that in a player. And uh, that was something I found very, very impressive in him. Uh, and Mateo said that uh, I found that he was most effective in the games I watched was when the LSU used him close to the line of scrimmage in the box. Like that was where he seemed to really be around the play a lot and wreak a lot of havoc. And I think that Brian Flores is going to find a way at some point in time to utilize that uh, with Ward. Um, A couple other, I think, pluses is that Ward was really known as a leader on the LSU defense, a captain of that team. He was almost like an extra coach on the field. He was the guy who was really responsible for getting the secondary organized. You need to be here. You need to be there. Uh, I like that in a player, and he's a guy that Jay Ward, he's coachable. He's going to work his butt off, and I always like that in a player as opposed to a guy who thinks that he's got it made already. The I think the other thing that was probably – go ahead, Dave. Well, Norsefius asks, is Ward really skinny? 6'1", about 190 is what his listed weight is, and that's not bad for that size. He'll I probably that, put on uh, some bulk and get to uh, at least two hundred, but that's that's a decent sized corner. It's not you know one hundred forty five pounds dripping wet like some of the other corners we've seen come into the league. No, he's not Emmanuel Forbes or Cam Dancer, but I, I do agree that if you look at him, like his legs are a little skinny, uh, and you do wonder how much mass he can put on without like that affecting his agility and his, and his quickness at the pro level. We'll have to see about that. Um, Mateo was talking about how uh, defensive coordinators, he's had a lot of change over there. And, and the last, what last year's the one was useless, but. Um, Thanks for the definition, Dan. I, I love it. Yeah. But I think that, but uh, actually Ward last year, when he was in the box, in, in what I saw is that LSU did send him a blitzing quite a bit. And last year, PFF had him as the, mm-hmm. the top, um, secondary player for for quarterback pressures, I think with with seven. Uh, so a little bit something there, like uh, for Ward, uh, Flores likes to blitz different guys from different spots. Sometimes it'll be a safety or, or a cornerback, and and Ward has shown that ability to do that. Um, the, the other thing that's going to help him a lot, and it's been mentioned before, and other things is that very, 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 very good special teams player. Yeah. Um, block two, block two kicks as a at LSU. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be important for him because at his, where he was drafted with the, the talent level that he has, he's really going to make his bones 
as a special teams player, I think early on. And I think Matt Daniels, the Vikings special teams coordinator, is going to have a lot of going to find a lot of ways to use Jay Ward on special teams. Got a slide. It was the Matt Daniels one. Yes, I agree with you. He's got he's got to win special teams. He's got to stand out there if he's going to make a dent in the guys that we are showing up right now. And we know that, you know, the Vikings, particularly I found in kickoff coverage, the second half of the year was poor. If, if Jay Ward can help tighten that up, he will be an asset to the Vikings, even if he doesn't see the field on the defense in 2023, which I don't expect he will because you've got the, the photos up there. Because the, the Vikings right now have a pretty crowded and I think pretty, you know, somewhat, you know, have a pretty crowded uh, safety room. You've got Hitman Smith, who's the big dog, still at age 34 amongst our safeties. You got Cam Bynum, who was the starting free safety last year. Is he still going to be the starting free safety this year? We'll see. But right now, you know, he's got a lot. Uh, you got Josh Metellus, who played pretty well, uh, who's emerged as a guy who you can trust with starting snaps at safety, and he's a core special team player, one of our best special team guys. And then you got Lewis Seen, who last year was our number one draft pick, 32nd overall. We're expecting big things from him. So Jay Ward's got a lot of work to do to get jump any of those guys on the depth chart, and I think that he's not going to do that in 2023. Uh, special teams is where he's going to make his money, and that's okay. Uh, the Vikings need good special teams players. And a lot of times teams will pick a guy like Ward in the fourth or fifth round. They're looking for, they're not just looking at the player, a guy who could be a starter. They're looking for somebody who can be a special teams contributor. Jay Ward can definitely be that guy early on, but you know, he, he moved around so much. When you read the scouting reports on Jay Ward, one of the things that, that sticks out is that they, that there's talk about how, um, he didn't really look always comfortable as a safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, that makes sense because he's uh, because he got moved around a lot. Three defensive coordinators in three seasons at LSU, so he needs some time there. But I think um, – but, but he's the guy that he co- – coach him up. He's smart. He's coachable. He works hard. You get him in the lab like Jaron Hall at quarterback for a couple of years – like he's not going to make an impact in the Vikings as a as a guy who gets defensive starts right away. But um, I look at him like kind of similar to Josh Metellus or Jaron Curse in that it took them two or three years to three. earn defensive yeah mm-hmm. to earn defensive snaps on the Vikings. They did that, but they worked on their craft. They took time. They made their impact on special teams first. I think Jay Ward is going to be that kind of guy where uh, 2023 special teams is where he's going to do it. But by 2025, he could be like a valuable piece in a young emerging Vikings defense. You know, you know, I, I didn't talk about some of the cons with him, Dave, and I, and I missed that, but I think that, you know, one of the things, a couple of things he's going to have to get over is that uh, one even though he was a really good tackler at, at LSU and was very active, what I noticed in the games was that a lot of his tackles were like he's going at guys at the knees or below the knees with arm tackles. And he went low. And that makes sense when you're under 190 pounds. But I don't think that that's going to work that well in the NFL when you got guys who are bigger, stronger, and have better contact balance. Like I think he's going to have to change how he 
he tackles. How he learns. Well, and they're they're going to teach him. They teach everybody the new te- that the whole rolling donut thing to learn how to tackle legally and safely nowadays is changing, and he'll get that. He'll get that. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, I think um, another thing about uh, Ward is that when you you come into college as a corner and you get moved to safety, there's a reason for that, and it's because the, the, the coaches don't think you have the speed to hold up at corner. And and Ward ran a, an, a, an official four five five forty at the combine, which isn't the kind of speed, long speed you're looking for at corner and not even at safety anymore in the NFL. Uh, so it didn't seem, it didn't really seem to hurt him at the SEC. And again, he's playing with the big boys there, but that is something that is going to be, have to be watched for at the NFL level. Uh, so far with Josh Metellus, he's been able to overcome that. J Ron curse was able to overcome that. Maybe Jay Ward can overcome that because he's a smart football player. Uh, and again, a hard worker. And he can, I think he can compensate with technique uh, where, where he might lack a little bit about the long speed. And that whole versatility thing, Dave, like we were talking about earlier, okay, jack of all trades, but again, maybe that's uh, a plus but also a minus for him because, you know, I, I want – yeah, it's great that you can play corner if you have to. It's great that you can play in the slot if you have to. It's great that you can play safety, but, like, I want a guy who's really good at one of those things. And not just right. kind of okay at all three, and maybe that's going to be a limitation that Jay Ward's going to have to show that he can play at an NFL level, at a good NFL level, at one of those things. Probably not going to be corner. I don't expect him, but certainly it's safety is probably where he's at, and he's going to have to show that he can be a good, solid starting safety in the NFL at some point, two or three years down the road. But. Right. We hope it's the case. He's got lots of LSU Tigers to <laughs> come around with on the Vikings right now. Yes, he does. Oh, well, thank you for this preview of him, this spotlight. Who is next week's spotlight? It's going to be Makai Blackman, USC, our third-round pick. And, uh, you know, the more I see and read on Makai, the, uh, even though I felt draft day that he got drafted a little bit higher than expected, I think our next slot corner is maybe even this year's slot corner is going to be Makai Blackman. That's going to be interesting. There's a lot of competition for that, which I love. And maybe they all get in. It's how Flores wants right. to play him. So I, I, it's a great thing. Hey, I want to thank everybody that's joined us today. We've had an absolutely great day talking your Minnesota Vikings. Especially Mateo coming in, giving us some LSU stuff. Giatano, Norsvius, Mary, of course, Davey, Dan Henneman, uh, Yogi, Justin, my worthless opinion. I'm sure I'm missing others. Aaron suffering down here in the heat with me. It's been a good, good day. Have you got anything coming up this week there, Darren, you want to tell the people about? Uh, No, I'm getting not too much. Uh, Mom's coming up. My mom's coming up on Thursday and uh, getting ready for uh, daughter's graduation, high school graduation uh, in a couple of weeks. Cool. Well, what we've got going on here at Vikings First and Skull is you'll get me tomorrow 
morning-ish sometime with a Vikings Daily Opener, and I'll review everything that's happened over the weekend. It's been relatively quiet. No big breaking news. And then uh, tomorrow night we have Tyler Fornis and the Real Forno Show live at 6 p.m. Central, normal. And we're going to have Justin Day. You're going to start to hear him over on the podcast side here very, very soon. So it's going to be fun. Baby. It's going to be fun. What do we say? We say Skull Vikings, baby. And thanks for uh, tuning in. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! <laughs>